What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast. I'm your regular host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my usual co host here with me today, and that is Rich Ivanowski. How are you doing today, Rich? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, finals have beaten me down a little bit, and I think you're in the same boat, but uh, here to talk about Kings and uh, grateful to be doing it. Yeah, definitely in the same boat as you. I cannot wait for this week to be done and be able to research some more basketball and just not have to do school all the time. Like, this is a crazy week. But today we got our shooting guards breakdown. We're going to go over Buddy and Bogey we put in that shooting guard category as well. But before we hop into these guys, I was messing around with some King player stats, and I wanted to throw a random trivia question at you, Rich. I have... There are four players on the Sacramento Kings roster last season that were 26 years old, and I wanted to see if you could get these four players. Oh, man, this is probably too easy because you had mentioned this earlier. Didn't know you were going to go all Kings players, and I feel like we kind of know the crew, the 26-year-old crew. We've talked about this like group before. Um, but I feel like there might be a twist here, so I'll go ahead and guess, and we'll see. Uh, Bogey, and we're talking about their current, like, what the age they are right as of today, as of recording. Yes. So, it's got to be Bogey, Barnes. Mm-hmm. Okay, two for two there. Um, I'm going to blank on, uh, uh, Buddy, obviously. Yeah. And then, I, I'll guess Alec Burks. Okay, it is Yogi Ferrell. Okay. Interesting. No real significance, I guess. Those are on the older age, aside from guys like Corey Brewer and Bielitsa, Costa Kufis. But I just was seeing if you'd be able to guess that one right. You you got three of them, you know. That's the, the, the three that matter, I guess. Although, yeah, pretty much. there's some Yogi fans out there. Yeah. But I think that we are going to go into Buddy Healed here. And overall, I mean, do you want to start with breaking down what your thoughts on him from last season were? Yeah, we can do that for sure, and at least that uh, it's a nice tie-in because both those guys we're talking about uh, today, Buddy and Bogey. So, um, yeah, when you say last year, this is that weird part of the season where it's kind of hard to figure out what you mean by last year or this year or next year because there's a divide there. You're right. The season's still happening, so this this year. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So, 
Buddy Hield obviously took a big step forward. He, you know, he really has completely cemented himself, as far as I'm concerned, as a hyper elite shooter. That's that's for sure, and that's to to me that's the biggest thing that happened for him this season. But you know, he did more than that as well. He really has shown that he can finish around the basket at uh, an above average, you know, an exceptional level. He's, I think his finishing at the basket is the most underrated part of his game right now, but uh, you know, still some struggles on defense, still some struggles with ball handling. So um, just capping it out though, I don't know how you could be disappointed with his season. No, not at all. And the way that he progressed, I mean, we know that he's a nonstop hard worker, and it shows. I mean, he had what would be the most minutes per game, but Barnes did take that from him in obviously way less games. He was leading the team in points per game when it was undecided on if he was going to be starting going into this season. Great three-point percentage. I mean, Buddy's just been able to do everything, and we give Fox a lot of credit for being the identity of the team, but Buddy is another big piece of that that lets that pace and style of this team work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an interesting question. Who would you consider, if Fox is the the star of the team, who is number two? It would be Buddy right now, yeah. Yeah. I think Bagley has a lot of like a head of steam coming up behind him. Yeah. And we could easily, when we talk about the Kings in any future tense, we think about Fox and Bagley. But uh, as of right now, I mean... I think you could make a very real argument that Heald was the best player this year for the Kings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that three-point percentage is crazy to me. I mean, 42% from deep on nearly eight attempts a game. There was, there was only one guy in the league that shot a higher percentage while having that many attempts or more. And I feel like you can probably guess. Steph Curry? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous, the amount of the percentage that that guy is hitting them at, at that volume is just, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, that's the biggest thing for me taking away this year is that this is in no way a fluke. He is an unbelievable shooter. I I mean, how would you, if we're talking, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say top five, top 10, top three. I mean, you could say even top two based on what you just said, but I feel like you put, you put Steph at number one, best shooter shooter in the league, best shooter in history probably, and then oh it's like kind okay. of, yeah, I get, yeah. Even then, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's trying to sort sort it out from there is tough. I, could you say top three? It's close, but you can make an argument. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, because I don't know who else you're throwing in there. I mean, more of them I feel like are shot creators in that maybe hinders the percentage a little bit, but Buddy has created a lot more this year also. I mean, the names that come to mind, like we said, Clay, James Harden. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, that's a great point. I think Lillard deserves recognition there. But, yeah, I mean, you can make a real argument for Buddy at three. I'd probably put Clay ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for some reason... A few more years of this, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, J.J. Redick popped up in my head just below the 40% mark, but uh, 8-3 uh, point attempts a game. Uh, I think Clay had a down year. I, I know Clay had a down year, but 
he's certainly put out seasons like Buddy's in the recent past, uh, just a, like a fraction above 40% this season. Again, right around eight attempts per game. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think that you can make an argument for Buddy being top three, and I think we can safely say at this point he's a top five shooter and, and go from there. Yeah, and that being said, I believe he's up for his extension this offseason is when it would get signed and then it wouldn't start until not next year but the year after. I mean, we're talking about a top three shooter in the league. What is What does money terms look like for you? Yeah, it is really interesting. So he has one more year left at $4.86 million. And yeah, I mean, I think that people throw around the concept or the talk of max money about Buddy. It feels like a lot to me for some reason still. But if we talk about shooting as the most important skill in the game, in the modern, in the modern game, and he's so elite at it, I mean... Would you be opposed to a max contract here? I hesitate a little bit there. I mean, one big plus of this is that he played 82 games last year. This guy is durable. He's available, so that's not a worry. But I believe we'd be talking five years, 158 million. That's it's a little steep to me. That is steep. That is very steep. And then I don't think you could get into the designated veteran uh, extension because that. You can only give that to one player, and it, it gets all types of complicated. But, yeah, I mean, what about just a four-year max? Yeah, I'm not I'm not as opposed to it. I would try to go in, like, the $25 million range. If I could get four years, $100 million, I'd be happy. Oh, yeah, I would take that in a quick second. Yeah. So, like you said, he's 26. There's a This is kind of a great time to extend him to a four-year deal because – in theory, you know, any backsliding, any falling off generally happens after 30. If you're a freak athlete like Buddy appears to be, maybe it's after 31, 32. But, you know, there's you're not having to build in any regression into this next contract. Yeah. And this is his big payday. I mean, with the age that he came into the league, this may be his only big payday. Like, uh, as far as, at least, uh, you know, this will be his biggest payday. I'll say that. Yeah. And if our three guys that we end up paying would be, you know, Buddy this year, and this is kind of leaving bogey out of it since we're talking about max money, would be like Buddy, Fox, Bagley. And if it takes a max four year to hold on to Buddy, it's not like I'm walking out the door. I'm heavily considering that. I'm going to try and talk him down, but if that's absolutely what it takes, I'd be willing to do it. What if it's it's you have to walk into free agency? Uh, he'll be restricted, but you know there's that risky run of you know rubbing him the wrong way, uh, sacrificing some chemistry there. If he comes in and says, you know, I want the max, I'll sign it right now. Just just give me the max. Uh, do you say you know we're going to let you test the market uh, in the summer and we'll. You know, go out there, get the best offer you can. We believe in you, want you to get paid, so get the best offer you can, and we'll, we'll, match, we'll match it no matter what it is. No, that worries me more. I'd rather have an extension. I feel like that he will pull a max on the market with his skills fitting the NBA really well, extremely well, the modern NBA, that some team will have the money that they're able to spend in that way to overpay Buddy a little bit to have him there. Yeah, you're probably right. So I guess I'm hoping that uh, 
like you are, that he'll take a little bit less, and and we can just get it done. Yeah, does that four-year hundred sound too low to you? I mean, it. That's what I had been hoping all year. I think, like starting, you know, toward the beginning of the year and into the All-Star break, people were asking. You know, people. Everyone knows that it, that his extension um, is coming up, so. People have been asking, and that's been the number that I've fallen back on a lot. But it does feel like he's kind of got us over a barrel at a certain point. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be clear about this. He has the Kings organization over a barrel where if they were to lose him, I think that the Kings really, really struggle, especially with how much having a great shooter helps a point guard like Darren Fox. Yeah. You know, it's... It's it's scary to think of uh, if you, if Fox and Bagley are the future of this team, and neither of them are great shooters yet. Hopefully that changes. But if if they're not, and it doesn't appear that they're a lock to be great shooters, having Buddy just enhances their game so much that I, I think that they're kind of they're kind of just subject to to what he needs and what he wants. Yeah, and obviously we know transition is huge for this Kings team. Looking at the stats of it on cleaning the glass, like his transition, the entire team transition stats, the amount of times that it's happening, the efficiency of it are all much higher with Buddy on the court. And actually the opposing transition stats were a lot worse with Buddy on the court. And that second one was interesting to me because, you know, we like these plays where he's chasing after that um, offensive rebound, but a lot of times it's more so a steal in a way it feels like where the other team gets the board and isn't paying attention but he comes and steals it but you do that then you're out of position down the break you know so it was interesting to me that that's the way the stats portrayed yeah i uh i like what you said about it kind of being a steal where he is the player who led the kings in most most plays where he flew in out of yeah. out of screen like just came in like a rocket and grabbed a ball that uh, no one saw him grabbing. That is like his. That is his thing. Yeah. So the hustle thing is there. I had really. I I was low on Buddy going into this season, relatively, where I felt like he was a very good player, but I didn't think that he would end up with the starting job. I felt like they would keep him on the bench. I felt like Jaeger would keep him on the bench. I felt like he didn't have a second skill to shooting, and. I think that I was wrong about that. His athleticism and his hustle and his energy, that's that's kind of his second skill. Yeah, and the defense hasn't been mind-blowing in any way, but I honestly was expecting this season to be disappointed in his defense, and I find myself pleasantly surprised more often than not. I I don't know if I can get there with you. I I, I definitely am enthusiastic about the effort, but... He still has limitations there. Yeah. I pulled up his RPM, offensive and defensive RPM. So that's real plus minus. It's the the ESPN stat that um, attempts to give a plus minus rating for players um, adjusted for all of their teammates and all of their opponents that are on the floor. So it tries to isolate just his, uh, you know, each player's individual contribution yeah. to the plus minus doesn't do an amazing job. Like, it's not perfect, but it's definitely useful. So I wanted to – I'll throw this at you. I'll quiz you here. Out of 117 shooting guards, um, that's how they sort plus real plus minus, 
Uh, out of 117, where do you think he finished on offensive uh, RPM? Hmm. I would say it's top 10. Give me, give me five. He finished eighth on RPM. But then there's a, a guy above him who I'm like, something is wrong with this math because Langston Galloway huh. is, <laughs> which does not add up. But yeah, the shooting guard on the Pistons that can actually contribute. You know, that's the problem with a lot of these these um, you know net rating these uh, you know the anything based on net rating is like if your backup is terrible, yeah. it makes your numbers better, and so that's a real possibility there. Um, and then you know, but he's above, he's right above JJ Redick, he's above Eric Gordon, Donovan Mitchell, Clay Thompson, all right behind him. Okay. So I mean, that's Something. really impressive. Absolutely. And then, but how about defensive RPM out of 117 shooting guards? Well, I want to say that he's within, you know, the at least the 30 starting, the 30 teams in the NBA. He's within that 30 mark. I'm going to go with, let's say, let's say about 20. 88. 88. 88. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... I don't know really what to make of it. It doesn't feel that wrong to me. I've always been frustrated with his defensive, you know, uh, again, his effect on defense, not his effort, because yeah. that's not, not the issue. But, you know, it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you make of that? That definitely shocked me with how low that was. And I see it because, like you're saying, the the athleticism is kind of not there. He doesn't move laterally great. But at least it's made up for with the effort. So, I mean, do you feel like that there's opportunity that, you know, obviously goals are playoffs, that once we reach the playoffs, teams are picking on Buddy on the defensive end? Oh, I think they will for sure. Especially with Barnes now at the three. Uh, Fox is a good defender uh, at point. I, I consider Barnes to be a good defender at the three. Um, you know, Bielitsa kind of is like crafty enough and smart enough to to get the job done at the four and then you know we've identified five as being a real issue no one no one has any question about that at least about last year's team so i'm not sure how that will play out going into the future if if bagley ends up defending fours i that's what i think will probably end up happening uh and then who will who will protect the rim i i can't say right now but i think it's a sneaky hot take to say that shooting guard is the second worst defensive position for this team. I, I don't think that's a crazy stretch, but I do give credit to guys like Fox and, and you mentioned Barnes are great defenders. So that's part of it in a way, but yeah, I mean, there is questions there, but I, I was worried that it was going to be a lot worse than this. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Right, so Buddy obviously is a guy that we value pretty highly, but as we've done with 
previous players, we kind of want to stick a number on it if we can. Um, we talked about what we would realistically pay to keep Buddy around, what we feel the Kings uh, owe to Buddy and all that. But you know, going back to what we did for uh, Willie Collie Stein and Bielitz and all these guys, you know, looking just to next season, if we're not talking about three, four years down the line, what is your best guess? to the dollar value he'll bring next year. And we're saying this isn't comparison to like the other guys on the team. Like, am I willing to spend more money because I know we don't have to put it in other places? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, this is kind of a silly exercise because it's not anything that's actually going to come into effect at the end of the day, but it's for my own. This was my own idea for, kind of valuing each player in a vacuum if i could in a one-year vacuum i know i put uh barnes at uh, i think i did 17 and a half million for barnes uh, i put willie down at 7.5 i think we had you know bagley and giles were tougher because so much of their value is in their growth but we had them at like 15 and 10 million respectively i mean so max contract next year is 27 uh and then Twenty-seven million two hundred and fifty thousand, and I mean, I'm at least it's at, okay. It's at very least starting at twenty. I'm pretty comfortable saying twenty-five. Same here. That's the number I had down. Yeah, I'm really you know I'm willing to pony up for Buddy a hundred percent. He's a twenty points per game scorer. Yeah. As arbitrary as that may be, uh, the Kings haven't had it for a minute and. It's important. It's important to have a guy who is going to, you know, get you on the board in those tough situations. I mean, how many times this season have the Kings needed a bucket yeah. desperately, and Buddy just comes in and just drills a three, or he just leads the break and uh, throws down a dunk, or you know, finishes a layup. And and that's another thing I wanted to just point out is that he's really made strides there as far as finishing around the basket. I think that he's one of the better guards at finishing at the basket. I know he's up to 67% within three feet of the rim. So that's that's tremendous. Yeah. And I wanted to point out the differences in his percentages compared to wins and losses of this team. And to me, it shows how reliant the Kings are on, on Buddy Heald. I mean, in these wins, and it's mainly percentages, his attempts are sitting about the same. But his field goal percentage in wins is 48.9, and in losses, it's 43, 43.2, uh, five field goal percentage difference. In three-point percentage in wins, 47.7% from the field. That's just insanity. And 38.2 in losses. It's like a nine percentage difference. I mean, this team really goes with how Buddy's doing. I mean, he's the leading scorer of this team that... We need him to be contributing. I mean, $25 million, the max is not a stretch, really, for one-year value. Absolutely. Uh, it's not a stretch. I, I'll stick at 25 but like you said, when he's going, the Kings are going. And when he has a bad night, the Kings have a bad night. I think that's a real case for him as MVP of this last season for the Kings. And, you know, considering it more, I can't help but... But think, yeah, I, if I had to cast a vote for MVP this last year, just Kings players alone, I, I think I would go Buddy. That's fair. You know, and it's close with Fox, but 
Buddy could be my leader there. And we know he's a crazy hard worker. I mean, we saw this big jump. And also, I, I guess I'll ask you real quick, do you feel like that Buddy... or So Fox just got put as the third guy for most improved. He's one of the candidates. The other two are pretty clearly ahead. Siakam is, I'm pretty comfortable saying, going to be the winner. And then there's D'Angelo Russell and De'Aaron Fox. Do you feel like Buddy has more of an argument of being in that most improved? It's interesting because normally second-year players don't get on that ballot. Uh, or don't certainly don't get into the, the finalist conversation. And as far as purely what they came from, um, I mean, taking that term literally, who was more improved, I do think it's Fox. But for the kind of spirit of the award, as I understand it, which is generally not given to players that are expected to improve, which Fox certainly was, then I, I, you know, I would give the most unexpected jump to Buddy. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I get what you're saying. I do kind of feel like that's what the award is. I know that it's not in the definition. They give it to second year guys at times, but it's more so unexpected and not, or even unexpected feels wrong because I don't think anybody expected Fox to take that big of a leap, but I'm, I'm on board with you where buddy was just completely out there. It's not a second year guy. And it's because of his crazy work ethic. There was a, quote in a Jason Jones article that came out saying that this offseason he's going to watch and it's quote I'm going to watch the stuff that I did wrong watch the things I can do better to make my team better look at look at stuff to fuel me like if I had did this right we might have had a chance to get into the playoffs in quote does that that's not buddy blaming himself for this but that's looking for the fire on why he can work hard this offseason and where do you want to see him work? I mean, obviously, he's going to put up a crazy amount of threes each day. It's what Buddy does. But where do you feel like the next step of improvement comes next year? I'm torn right now. If I had to pick one place for Buddy to improve uh, and to focus, I'm a little torn between saying that he should work on his defense and kind of become that typical 3 and D uh, mold in that in that role. And between that and thinking that he needs to tighten up his handles and, you know, he's an all right passer. He's a good passer in space. He's a good passer in transition, but can be a little bit sloppy at times in the half court. So I'd like to see him, you know, can I say, you know, improve everything and just become a superstar? That probably is unfair. I I guess with Bogey, we'll talk about Bogey in a minute. With Bogey being able to handle the ball in second units and, and come off the bench like that, I guess I would say that I want Buddy to focus on defense. And, um, you know, we've mentioned he's 88th in defensive RPM among shooting guards. That that should come up. If he can get closer to top 50, then that's going to be a good thing for the Kings. Yeah, definitely. Defense is one of the first things that comes to mind. It feels like that lateral qu- quickness is a big one. And obviously just defensive intelligence the other one that's interesting to me is I think his handle, not necessarily for shot creation, but for driving to the rim. You mentioned his finishing is very well. I feel like if he could get there a bit better, that it would do a lot for him and just improve his scoring even more. But I would more so focus on the lateral quickness and defensive IQ. Yeah, the handle is kind of bad. Uh, I mean, yeah. it is bad. Uh, it was worse in years past where he really struggled to to dribble at all. I mean, I, I remember his first year in Sacramento, he really genuinely struggled to, to keep a dribble going, but 
even now, it feels like when I see him start to pound the rock a little bit, I get worried, and not in the way that I worry about bogey, where I'm like, oh, he's going to over-dribble. I'm just like, man, just shoot this or pass this and, and go you know, cut, find a screen, do something else. Because I, I don't want him to be, like, the dribble-drive game is not really his thing. Yeah, it's mainly, it feels like, when he is shot-creating, quote-unquote, it's one or two dribbles and then a pull-up while someone's on their heels or something like that. So those would be my two areas. And I guess another little bit of a prediction question, do you think that he'll be leading the team in scoring next year also? It's a great question, and I think that he should. I think that he should. I, You know, Bagley's probably nipping at his heels, and it's going to come down to, um, you know, a playing time or like a shots. Like how who's getting the most shots? It's going to come down to that most likely. But it's probably a two-man race because Fox is still – doing a lot of facilitating. And as of right now, I would take Buddy just a hair above uh, above Marvin Bagley. That's interesting. I would throw Fox pretty close also because we there's a lot of talk on wanting him to be more aggressive, I feel like. And I could see those points per game going up, but I also understand your argument. I, w- I would stick with Buddy, but then I feel like Bagley and Fox are p- pretty close at that 2-3. Do you want to guess... Uh, ranking those three in points per 36 minutes this last season? Yeah, let's go with, well, Buddy is above Fox, and Bagley, is he barely above Fox? Would it be healed Bagley Fox? It is healed Bagley Fox. Okay. Yeah, and it's a a pretty good division there. Buddy healed had 23, Bagley had 21, and Fox had 19, almost 20. Yeah. But does the scoring per minute go down for Bagley when he's playing with the starters more often? Yeah, that's the question. That's the question. And then you can ask the reverse question is, does does uh, Heald's yeah. shot volume go down if Bagley comes up and joins the starting five, which I think we feel is a lock for him to do? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, how would you how would you sort this out a little bit? We can talk about this just real briefly um, before moving on to, to Bogdanovich, but uh, Heald took... Uh, I'm just looking at the per 36. He took almost 19 shots per 36 minutes. Bagley took 16 and Fox 15 and a half. So I think that all three of those guys, Fox, Heald, and Bagley, could likely sh- see their shot attempts going down with them all sharing the floor more option. But I think that it's likely that we would get more open looks also. Yeah, I I can see that for sure. One name that popped up here that surprised me is... The next guy we're talking about, uh, Bogey Bogdanovich, actually took more shots per 36 minutes than Darren Fox. Wow. I'm not a huge fan of that. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, Bogey is running the second unit, but that wasn't true last year, really. It, no, I mean, we know what our frustrations were, Bogey. A lot of times you mentioned it today. We've mentioned it a couple times before, obviously. It's just him dribbling and feeling the need to take these hero isolation type shots. Right. So this is going to be an interesting topic to to get into because it fits well with Buddy, obviously the same position, and then also has, you know, a contract situation that's pretty similar. Bogey makes more money, but he is eligible to make less money in in an extension. He will be a restricted free agent next off season again, 
that whole next, this last thing is going to be lost a little bit right now in the playoffs. But by next offseason, I mean uh, the summer of 2020 is when he will be uh, a restricted free agent. But the Kings could make an extension offer to him. However, it will not be for he will not be max eligible. He would be eligible for about fifty-two million over four years, which before we decide on our feelings about that, maybe we just let's break him down as a player a little bit more. Yeah, so obviously this was a really down year. We talked on Buddy probably being the MVP of last season. The year before was pretty easily bogey. And it seemed like this injury really affected him and also not necessarily having an identity and a perfect fit in this team. We saw him starting and then that injury happened in the offseason and moved Buddy into the starting role. At times, Bogey didn't look comfortable in that bench role almost or and he was almost also occasionally starting here and there. So not having a defined role, I feel like really hurt him here. He was really asked to do a little bit of everything all the time. He started at small forward for chunks of the season. He started at shooting guard at times it seems. It's it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to figure out where he was some of the times. It felt like he was playing point guard off the bench a lot and then you could make an argument he's playing the two guard, you can make an argument he's playing small forward. It really depends. I mean, we're you know, getting to where positions are hazy especially with um you know, Buddy and Bogey when they're on the, the floor at the same time. Who's the shoot, who's the small forward? Who's the shooting guard? It's kind of kind of doesn't matter. Kind of you know, we don't really need to get into that too much. But as far as what they were asking him to do, it felt like a little bit inconsistent. I mean, to give him his credit, what he's clearly good at is I feel like he can run a second unit. I feel like that is where this fit should be. It should be more comfortable with Barnes there. Hopefully people stay healthy. I mean, De'Aaron only sat one game from rest, but he played all 82. So to me, I don't really want Bogey playing the three spot. I think he can get minutes there, but we have Harrison there now also. So him running this bench unit, and I like the ball in his hands. I think that he's a good passer, and he's willing, but at times, like I said, I think it was just that role that was confusing him and maybe a little bit of, he's definitely a rhythm guy that he felt a need to get a few shots up, but I like him with the ball in his hand, running that second unit, taking a lot of threes. He shot them at a better rate last year. It was 36% this season. I'm I'm still liking what I'm getting from him running that second unit. Yeah, I get a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none vibe from what we're getting from, from Bogey now. Um, he was He pushed up against 40% from three in his first season. And like you said, that dipped down a little bit. So the feeling that he might be uh, a sharpshooter, have an elite skill like that. I don't know. I feel less confident about it. Uh, There were stretches where he was really shooting poorly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that he has one elite tool in his, in his arsenal right now. How do you feel about that ball handling with him bringing the ball up the floor and running the offense in the second unit and just at times throughout the game? Because I feel like that affects what we're looking at offseason-wise because of all this talk of a backup point guard. Yeah, I mean, again, kind of kind of like a you know jack-of-all-trades. That's, that's definitely a tool that he has, definitely a skill that he has. 
I, you know, I think he's capable, but is, is he masterful? Not, not really. Yeah. And does transition offense fall in that same, I mean, that same level where he's capable in the way that I feel like he's a good trailer, but he doesn't necessarily get down as fast as some of these other players on the team? Yeah, I, he definitely is a little bit slower. He, uh, you know, again, he's, he's Buddy's age, so it shouldn't really be an issue throughout his next contract for him to, to have athleticism issues. But at the same time, like, he's had two surgeries on that same knee. I, I, I wonder. I do wonder. And I, I, maybe I was imagining things, but sometimes I felt like I saw just, like, the smallest hint of a limp or maybe not even a limp, but just his stride seemed like he was protecting that knee and, and just trying to keep a little bit more pressure off it. Or he would pull back when he, he could go full steam, but he would pull back the throttle just a little bit um, and, and just keep off of it just a, just a little bit. So I, I don't know. He felt like a, a little bit of a shade of his, his rookie year self. Yeah. And you know, he's 26 years old for a second year guy. And there's talk of, you know, like Thibodeau legs, having played Thibodeau minutes throughout your whole career. He played European minutes before he came over here. And he's constantly playing. There's not really much of an off season for him at times. It seems like he's still playing overseas during the off season, whether it be FIBA basketball or anything like that. So, I mean, he's younger, but he has some miles on him in the same way. How much better do you see Bogey getting, or do you feel like we're getting pretty close to what we're going to see from him throughout his career? I feel like we're getting pretty close. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know many players that get better after 26. Yeah. You can make the argument that it's going to be his third year in the league. So there's still stuff to learn, you know, maybe on a mental level, he will improve. And, and that's kind of, what we see with a lot of players in his age as their bodies start to decline their understanding of the game and their, their mental skills sharpen. So you don't really start to see an overall decline until about 30, but I don't know. I, I don't see him getting physically any better. And if, I mean, I'm going to just put it out there. The thing that I'm worried about is that, that knee and uh, another re-injury. Yeah. And I don't blame you. So, if we're talking about an eventual extension, what, or I guess we're putting that money value on people, what are you feeling like? We just said 25 for Buddy, and the lowest, the next highest after that, I believe, was 17.5 for Barnes. Where does Bogey fall on this? It's a good one. I have him at 17.5 as well. I have him right at that Barnes level. But I got to point out that this is that one-year vacuum that we're talking about. And with a guy like Marvin Bagley paying him, you know, hoping to get him at a one-year $15 million deal because we put that value out there at $15 million, that's absurd. Obviously, any team would pay more than that to have his his promise and his growth and his potential. Yeah. Uh, but Bogdanovich, I'm not sure I would pay 17.5 if it goes multiple years. I really, I feel like I, I wouldn't want to sign him at $17.5 million across a four-year deal that feels maybe too high to me no i wouldn't be comfortable with that either partially because of that age and the inj- injury history 
I think that a uh, 17.5 was a number that came to mind for myself also. I think that I'd go more maybe with 15 here, though. I think that that's the number that we put Bagley at, and I see their production and impact being pretty pretty close just talking next season. Okay, interesting. So this may be the first guy that I have higher than you on this on this value scale. Bogey above, above uh, Bagley? Well, no, it sounds like um, you got him close to 15, and I might have him a little bit higher at 17 oh, and a half. Yeah. yeah. You know, I we have talked trade hypotheticals, and he's always the one put in here. What would be, I guess, what's your reasoning behind that? For me having him higher than you? No, for uh, for him always being in these trade hypotheticals we talk about. Well, so it's a combination of things. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that we have two players at the same position, kind of. Uh, again, we talk about the positional, the, the shades of gray there, but you could reasonably say that Buddy and Bogey play the same position, and so having kind of a surplus at that one area. Um, you know, you brought up Clint Capella as a name that maybe is out of our, out of the range of something that we could expect to see for Bogey. But you bring up a center and it's like intriguing all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because aside from the potential for Bagley to play there, you know, end up there in the long term, center is probably the biggest immediate need for the Kings. So I think the positional thing is there. And then I also see that you've also got the two extensions coming up. So do you really want to pay two shooting guards, uh, you know, a combined total of 150 guaranteed, maybe 200 guaranteed? That's a lot. That's a lot of millions of dollars. Yeah. So it sounds like a little bit of this is the fit there. I mean, I know I talked about feeling that he's okay in transition, but you see a pretty comfortable spot for Bogey on this team where the organization, management, coaching, and the rest of his teammates will be happy as well as Bogey be happy, being happy. Yeah, I think there's a happy place to to find there. There's a happy medium, um, and it might just be his max extension. Uh, I believe I'll look this up real quick, but I believe that he can earn about twelve and a half million over four years uh, at the most if. If the Kings choose to extend him before uh, his contract is up. Okay, and is that based on where he was drafted? Or what? what is that based on? Like, why is that different than a normal extension? So he signed a, a non-rookie scale deal. Um, he was stashed for a couple of years there, and then... He, yeah, so he came, he came across, uh, he came to the NBA not straight out of the draft and not on a rookie scale deal. So there's, you can basically negotiate a custom contract, which is essentially what happened. I'm not an expert about this stuff in the CBA. I wish that I was, I'm going to study up on it, but you can only pay him. You, you can only extend him up to a certain percentage over his cap hit. Yeah. And it's looking like, uh, I'll find an exact report, but I believe it's about 52 million. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can look that up. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, 
and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we tracked it down here. The exact number for Bogdanovich is $51.4 million across four years. That is the maximum deal, uh, maximum extension that Bogdanovich could sign uh, out of this season. So to me, that kind of feels like a, a pretty good, a pretty good middle place to meet for both teams where Bogey probably wants 15 million or so a year and the Kings probably don't feel super comfortable with signing a guy with a recurring knee injury and two knee surgeries to a four year deal of guaranteed money. Um, how does that 51.4 million sound to you? I feel good with that. I think that if anything, like you said, maybe he wants a little bit more money that than that. But from the Sacramento Kings standpoint, I'm totally comfortable with that. And I think that it's nice to have those mid kind of range contracts that would allow you to make salary work in trades just in case something came up. I'm not making plans of trading bogey because of this or anything like that, but you need to have those mid-level range contracts also. Yeah, I know that Marcus Smart for the Celtics has talked about a lot for them. How does he stack up against Smart and uh, his salary and, and that contract in your mind? His is four years, $52 million, so it's very close there, and... I would argue that Smart has a greater impact than Bogey, but I think that Smart deal is really a steal in the same way. I, so yeah, they're very close number wise, and I'm comfortable with I'm comfortable with doing that for Bogey. I think player wise, it's pretty pretty fair as well. Smart is a little bit younger. Um, obviously, he's a defensive specialist. Bogey is an offensive specialist. I don't see, yeah, I, I feel that that to me feels, especially since Boston is known for getting good deals and the Kings are known for getting bad deals. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty, uh, a pretty good measuring stick and it's one that I'd, I'd be happy with. Do you think he turns that down though? That's what I was going to ask. Um, I don't think he would. I think that I'm not going to say there's not a chance because I think that there is, but I would go maybe 75% that he accepts that because I feel like that he enjoys the Kings. It's about if he's okay in that bench role. And I think that if he can accept that, it still would be a super sub where maybe he is closing games. I mean, we saw him be clutch at times this year and mainly the year before. So I think that if he's happy with the role that he could take that. But if we, if he was to go into restrictive free agency, I mean, obviously he's hoping he gets more than that, but what do you think a team would really offer him? It really depends on how next season would go. If he's, if he's, you know, looking banged up, if he doesn't bounce back from this season, I don't know. If he looked like he did in his first year, I could see a team that had a lot of cap space splashing around 60, close to 80 million. I mean, if you, if you look at who he was in his first year, a near 40% uh, three-point shooter with other skills. You know, uh, he's got, got tight handles. He can pass all those things that we mentioned. You know, not again, not a stud on defense, but you look at a guy like that with the cap uh, going up each year. It doesn't feel crazy to think that someone would take a 20 million a year uh, splash on a guy like him. 
Yeah, and I would assume that that means he's starting. I mean, it would have to be a team that he fits there, likely. You know, one that comes to mind is OKC in a way. I know their cap situation isn't great there, but in regards to the need, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting. Four years 80 seems steep, but I know that people are going to have a lot of money to throw around. There's just not that upside with Bogey that we kind of talked about. Yeah, I suppose not. I, at the beginning of the year, I felt like it was a toss-up about who was the more valuable player between Heald and Bogey, yeah. honestly. And, and obviously, that's, I think, sorted itself out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, Buddy is like a specialist, you know. He's a, he has an elite skill, and he's not super well-rounded, where Bogey is, like we've mentioned, you know, kind of good at everything, you know, and but maybe not. Not a specialist. Um, he's a more well-rounded player, but doesn't have those elite tools. So I don't know. I, I feel like if I could lock him in at 51.4, I would take that risk because again, and you hate to say it, but again, like there's an, if, you know, if another knee injury comes up, some of that money could be dead. You know, it could be just dead money at the end of that fourth year or something like that. Yeah, it definitely could be, and that would leave us in a bad situation, but obviously, I mean, it's not, it's barely over or barely under that 12 and a half that it's not going to be utterly devastating for him to go down. You talked about him being a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Where do you feel that his defense lies? Do you possibly have those numbers that you pulled up for Buddy, the same for Bogey as well? Absolutely. I was actually going to... Uh, give you that same test. So where, let's start with offense first. We've kind of talked about that more, but where do you think out of the 117 shooting guards, where do you think he, he landed on offense? I mean, I think that it, it it's low. I'm going to give like 70. Wow. Okay. Uh, he actually was 19th. Oh God. Okay. 19th. Yeah. So really? I mean, rising to me, I feel like the offense was, like efficiency wise was a lot worse with him. That's a fair point. And I guess if you're thinking about him kind of coming off the bench and playing with, um, you know, a lot of backups, you would assume the net rating drops off. But at the same time, I think he's the first guy off the bench a lot. So you're still, you're still seeing him next to Fox often uh, next to, and you know, I, I mean, he get he gets dragged dra- dragged down a bit by playing with Bagley, but I think that he came in and played with both Buddy and Fox enough that his minutes weren't the minutes necessarily killing the Kings this year. Okay, does it surprise you how high that is, though? A little bit, not not nearly as as much as it surprised you. I don't think because just because we had come off that conversation about him being a offensive specialist. Um, I, I knew at least that his offensive RPM would be much higher than his defensive RPM. Yeah. But let's switch to that now. Um, going to the defensive side, out of 117 shooting guards, where do you think he's at defensively? And Buddy was 80? 88th. I feel like it has to be lower than that. I mean, but, but close. Give me like 95. 69th. Which adds up to me. I, I feel like Bogey's a better defender than Buddy. Hmm. Okay. What about it? Is it the intelligence, the lateral quickness? I think that it's kind of a versatility thing where 
Bogdanovich, because he ends up playing point in a lot of lineups, he gets a nice matchup against smaller guys sometimes. Um, and you can, that can go against him too because they'll put him on the, at the three and sometimes he just gets taken advantage of like that. But at the same time, I, I think that he often is not asked to guard the best defender and then he'll get a nice matchup here and there. And and then again, the um, you know second unit thing, if he is facing opposing backups, that might help. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, where do you feel he's most equipped to guard? Would it be the two position? It is, yeah, and and I don't know. I sometimes it feels stupid to talk about what position the guys are, but at the end of the day, I really do feel like Heald and Bogey are best are best at the two, um, or at least they're best at guarding the two, which essentially makes them shooting guards. Yeah, that's more so what I think of in this because I mean the guys are generally wings. But I guess the two is just more so the shorter of the wings in a way. Yeah, that is absolutely where we're at. I mean, it's a it's a wing that cannot switch onto a, a four or five. A wing that cannot switch onto a big. You know, it, that's what you got to do. Um, you know, if you're a wing that can switch onto a big, you're pretty much a small forward. Yeah. So, I mean, we touched on both of those shooting guards. I'm very happy with those max extensions for both of them i mean the buddy one's a little bit more of a stretch i'd prefer the four years hundred like we talked about but both of these guys have played to that money value yeah well putting them together say say bogey gets that 51.4 million and buddy gets near the max uh if he gets that if he gets a four-year hundred million dollar deal then you got their average salaries at combined about 30 35% of the salary uh of the of the total salary cap does that feel too much for the shooting guard position it does feel a bit much but i know that bagley's contributing a lot and has a little bit before we have to give him that extension same with giles so it doesn't bother me in the same way since we have that yeah, it's tough because it does feel if both of them are getting four-year deals, it seems unsustainable across four years because you have to give Fox his money, Bagley will get his money by then, you know, Barnes is going to get sorted out at some point, and then you there there's an assumption at least that the Kings will sign some free agents in, in that coming time, including a potential max deal for Vucevic out there if he wants it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is looking at all these things, all things considered, I think we do kind of have a clear answer of why Bogey, Bogey comes up so much as the trade candidate uh, that he does. Yeah, the money fits. And then, I mean, really what it comes down to is that, of course, you know, Kings fans are going to say, oh, my God, we could trade for this guy. We could trade for this guy. But out of this young core, it's about who are you willing to move on from because obviously you have to give back a valuable piece. And the most comfortable I am of a player parting with him, it's going to be Bokey over guys like Giles, Buddy that we talked about, Fox or Bagley. Yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like Fox and Bagley and Buddy pretty much have to be off the table. Yeah, Obviously you can't really 
I think that after you go out and get Barnes and he gives you what you needed so desperately at the, the forward position, it would be crazy to turn around and try to move him. So, yeah, I mean, to me, the best trade package that I'm offering to anybody for anything at this point from the Kings is Bogey and Giles and uh, future picks. Yeah, and I mean, the only guys that come to mind are Bradley Beal, and even then, that's kind of a weird fit with having Buddy also. Then you're playing Barnes at the four, but yeah, I don't know, just throwing a random name in there, I don't... Yeah, that that's absolute best case is what you have to offer. Say that there's some crazy fit because you never know what seems to happen. There's all-stars moving every single year in the modern NBA. Absolutely. But I think that there is some real value in having a sixth man like Bogey, a guy that you can plug in at the one, two, or three, even if the fit's not perfect at every position. So, you know, if we're especially if we're talking your top seven players right there, um, if, if we find a center on, in free agency and then Giles is, uh, coming off the, as the bench big and then Bogey's coming off to play one through three, I feel like there's a top seven here. The Kings could find a seven man rotation. Obviously you're playing other guys, uh, and spelling your main players. But if it came down to it in a playoff setting, there's a world in which I'd feel comfortable looking like here's, we got five starters. We got Bogey and Giles off the bench. This is probably going to be a few years down the road, but there's something here. And I would love to keep Bogdanovich if we can. The Kings will need that sixth man. $12 million a year is a great price to pay for it if they're able to lock him in at that. So I don't know. I, I feel like in a weird way, if they can just keep everybody together, that would be great too. And they probably will have to be by not offering a, a, a true max to a guy like Vooch. Yeah, and just to clarify again, the Buddy extension is available to be offered this offseason, but wouldn't kick in until after the next year, and the Bogdanovich one cannot be offered until next season, not this offseason, and then that would also uh, be active the year following. So it's four-year contracts, but then you also have the year before they kick in, so we would have them for five years there. It's a great point. And then... One guy I wanted to throw out there for a trade, if you want to go down that route, you had to put out Capella as someone who would be intriguing. Um, I personally think the Rockets aren't going to listen to that offer, but what about, what about Steven Adams? Yeah, I feel like that's the other clear one, and I mentioned OKC needing spacing badly. I'm, Adams is only 25, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, um he doesn't play above the rim the same way that Capella does. But I think that I'm taking it. I mean hard screens can run in run in transition. Obviously the lacking is the shooting and we've talked about that a lot. But I like the rim protection. Not amazingly. I don't know. It's not the same as Capella, but it fills that hole really well in the center where I'm possibly taking that yeah it'd be hard not to honestly i think that you can probably make that trade straight up take adam's rest of his contract into space and then you spend uh the remaining 15 million on another guard someone to another ball handler that could 
that could take Bogey's place. And I don't know. I, Adams is he, he's such a traditional center. Uh, he struggled in the playoffs. I think that there's legitimate reason to think that the Thunder would want to move on from him. Yeah. But I don't think I, he's a bad player. I think that his no. style, he took a lot of the blame for for a lack of spacing when it shouldn't be on him. He's not a bad player. It's just his fit is not great in the Western Conference where you're going to go up against teams that take that style of play kind of off the table. Yeah. You know, another one to throw in there that I guess just to get your opinion because I feel like it's he's on the table would be Andre Drummond. Yeah, I'm a lot lower on Drummond than I am on Adams. Yeah. But similar concept and you know, I can't turn my nose up at Drummond's if I'm Drummond if I'm really considering Adams. It's crazy that he's twenty five also. I thought Drummond was older. Yeah. We I don't know, we're tapping into a, a really interesting conversation here about your you know, your traditional centers, your younger traditional centers. Uh, Capella, Adams, Drummond. It's hard to know where they're going to go from here. They're all making about $20 million, a little bit more, a little bit less. I don't know. I, I Honestly, I'm at a place where when we watch the Kings play, I think a lot of us as fans think, damn, they just need a center. They need a center who's going to protect the rim, going to get boards. That's what we need. It's it's really clear. And then you when you watch other teams in the playoffs, you're like, man, they need less players that are just only doing that. Yeah, I mean, can I just ask for Indiana or Chicago for some reason to let go of their young big men? Because I feel like Miles Turner and Wendell Carter Jr. are dreams. There, I, I don't know. Giles and Bagley is a pretty amazing pairing if if they get it, if they get the shot together. Uh, Those other guys have rim protection on another level, is what I was thinking. It's true. It's true. You said it before. I think you tweeted out. Just imagine Miles Turner on this Kings team. Yeah. That would be a dream. I, I believe he was there. I believe he was on the board in Willie's year, if, it, if, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. But you still can't even hate on the Willie pick. Out of college, I saw it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I guess not. This is, this is a rough conversation, but... Anyway, I don't know. We can wrap up this shooting guard talk. Um... It's a weird position to even talk about these days because I don't know. I, I feel like you got to just drill threes, and at that point, you if you're either playing three and D or you need to be a secondary ball handler. I think it's pretty clear cut that Buddy's your sniper, Bogey is your secondary ball handler. You know, we got that locked down. It's it's a position of strength for this Kings team. We don't have to discuss that much on it other than get these guys paid what they need to to stay Kings. And then do you want to touch on Alec Burks at all, who I guess falls into this position? I guess we can say a quick word on it, but I don't even feel like there's much to say. I mean, I was disappointed because I thought that he would be able to fit this transition team a little bit better than he did. And I mean, we only ended up moving on from Shumper for him. And we also got a second round pick in return, a late one, albeit in Houston, but we got something else back also. I know you weren't a fan of Shumper, and I totally understand why on the court. So, I don't know. It was disappointing the amount of production we got, hoping that he would help in that playoff push, and he just didn't seem to fit at all. Yeah, he's no good. I don't know. People got really excited to have Alec Burks around, and I was not one of those people. 
his he's basically he basically is that uh, Austin Rivers, Dennis Schroeder level efficiency guy. Uh, what he shot forty point three, then forty one. 39, 41, 40, 41. Those are his field goal percentage numbers over the last five years. So, yeah. Austin Rivers without the hustle. Oh, God. Yeah. And the hustle does a lot, by the way. Do you want to talk about this uh, Nikilatina stuff? Natilakina? I, you know, I have a feel. I want to say that it's Nilakina. But, uh, Nilakina? I don't know my French very well. Frankie Smokes. Yeah. That's what we call it. There we go. Obviously, the percentages are terrible. I like his defensive potential. The Knicks have been rumored, and this is just via Twitter, you know, take that how you want it, that they are shopping Nilakina. It's been reported before, but now Nilakina has come out and said that he wants to be moved as well. The Knicks have said that they are looking for a first-round pick for Nilakina. I don't think that that value's there. I want to say they took him. It was definitely top 10. It was the pick before Dennis Smith Jr. in retrospect. In retrospect, not a great move on their part, and I like the defensive potential, but the offense isn't there in the slightest. The percentages are terrible. It almost reminds me of Chris Dunn in a way, but even on a lesser level almost, but he's still very young. The potential is there. It's just not first-round pick value anymore for me. Yeah, agreed. You know, the reason I bring him up is because you had jabbed at me on Twitter about how... (laughs) I criticized you for low efficiency uh, uh, players like yeah. Nilakina, but then forty percent effective field goal percentage. But yeah, I think you missed the point of that tweet, which was I was kind of calling him bad by saying I'll give you the sixtieth pick for him. But you know he's really bad. I mean, I mean, uh, offensively speaking, thirty yeah thirty three point seven percent from the field. That's horrific. Like for a guy that took as many shots as he did, not a crazy amount of shots, but um, for a guy to get that much playing time and be completely incompetent offensively, that's really bad. However, I think the the difference between a guy like him and and guys like Schroeder and Rivers and who else are you, who else are you your your big fan of that is bad at basketball? I know. I feel like you're talking about this guy, and I feel like I have to defend him, even though I don't like him, just because this has been the theme. The other one we've thrown in there has been Josh Jackson. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Jackson is a little bit different because Jackson has the physical tools, yeah. and that's what Nilakina has as well. Um, he's got size. Yeah, he's got a seven foot wingspan as a point guard. So. And, and again, point guard, it's, it's hard to call it. it. You know, if he can't run an offense, I don't see how he can be a point guard, but that was the theory with him at least is that he could run an offense and be a defensive, you know, nightmare that he, that he could, you know, the Knicks for some reason just like drafted all guys with seven foot wingspans for a time. Yeah. They're even going into this season. I was looking at their, at their roster. I'm like, man, they could start just all six five guys with seven foot or or bigger wingspans. Um, that might be the sign of a team that oversells themselves on guys like that. But they can't shoot the ball. Yeah. Ex- oh, exactly. It'd be the least efficient, but biggest and longest team out there. If they hustle, that's my type of team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
So would you offer, looking at our draft pick situation this year, would you offer that Orlando pick? I think that I would. I, I'm, you know, I think that my inner Knicks fan is coming out here. I think that I would. I think that I would offer. I think I might even offer. What's this? Uh, forty and forty-seven, or forty and forty-eight? Forty-seven and sixty. Yeah, I might offer. Essentially, all three, if that's what they want. I, I think that if we came out of this draft with only Nilakina and uh, nothing else, I think that I'd be fine with that. He is still. 20 years old after two years in the league. So, I mean, he's going to be younger than most of the guys coming out of this draft. I know he's been a nightmare on offense, but he's a guy that you could theoretically play. If, if you know, we talked about potentially moving bogey. If you move on from bogey, neither Keena is a guy that can kind of play one, two or three. Yes. He's far, far worse at it than Bogdanovich, but he kind of has that rangey, variability to him yeah and like you said the defense is obviously the key point here I mean he was a top 10 pick for a reason even if maybe he necessarily shouldn't have been there's understanding on that potential there super young and I was thinking that you know he doesn't really distribute well in the second unit well we have bogey to do that but he doesn't offer any spacing either Nilakina. so that offensive end is really a loss the three second rounders, that's interesting to me. I'm not going to be torn on it, but I just don't know if it would necessarily take that much because he's not getting any minutes. Yeah. I mean, they're asking for a first round pick. Yeah. So. Stick is that and what their offers are actually going to be. No, you're right. You're right. They'll probably settle for a second rounder. I wonder, though. I mean, so he's getting some minutes. He played 43 games, and he averaged 21 minutes a game. So he's getting some minutes. But let me just ask you real quick. Out of 102 point guards, where do you think he ranked in offensive RPM? Oh, God. I'm going dead last. Yeah, correct. Dead last. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I might have to take it all back. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, But... Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we take a break here? And then after we will announce the winner of the, of the gift bag that we have, the giveaway. No, let's do it. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as, as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. All right, Rich. Well, we have put together our list of names that are eligible for the King's Pulse podcast giveaway that we have as a celebration and thank you of us reaching 5K total downloads. And I have the list here. I think we're ready to pick one. Yes, sir. We are grateful to everyone who listens, everyone who interacts with us. Um, It's been a great month and a half so far, hopefully just the beginning. 
So we got some shirts, some posters, some rookie cards that Marvin Bagley autograph to give back. And uh, yeah, so Brandon's going to press this button and it's going to put everybody who entered into a numbered list. If you come up number one, you are our winner. So check the video out on Twitter if you're hearing this on the podcast. Yep. And drum roll, please, Rich. We got Dundada. Dundada. Absolutely. That guy is awesome on Twitter. Give him a follow at Dundada. I'm I'm glad that we got a winner who is a good guy. Yeah, and congratulations to Dundada. Like we said, we will reach out to you, and if we don't hear back in 48 hours, which I don't see happening, but if that is the case, then we will pick another name from this random generator. But congratulations to Dundada. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if Tim had won, I would have demanded a recount, but uh, I think we disqualified him anyway. No guests, no guests of the show allowed. This is true, and he didn't retweet. Did he not retweet? You said he did not retweet. Man, I'm going to come for you, Tim. What a guy. But congratulations to Dundada. We'll be in contact. Yeah, that's Jordan. Uh, so I'm assuming Jordan. Yep. Thank you to everybody for tuning in to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And Jordan, we will be in contact with you so that way we can get the care package to you as well. You will hear from myself, Brendan, and Rich a little bit later in the week. Thank you, everybody.